It's Memorial Weekend. This is Memorial Day Sunday. I want to share with you a tribute that was written by a man named John Williams. Some of you will know who he is. He's one of the most famous writers of movie themes that ever lived. He wrote Jaws, Star Wars, E.T., Indiana Jones. It goes on and on and on. Uh, he wrote this called The Hymn of the Fallen uh, for the movie Saving Private Ryan. And I'm going to share it with you today because it's fitting for this occasion.
Amen. A list of names. A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed twelve, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to whom he gave the name Sons of Thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's a list of names. And all of them, except one, died in the service of the Lord. That one, of course, is John. John died of old age. He's also the author of five books of the New Testament, the Gospel of John, first, second, and third epistles of John, and the book of John's Revelation. He's the most prolific writer in the New Testament, except for Paul, of course, who wrote 13 books, at least seven of which he penned himself. You may notice in your bulletins that it says the scripture lesson for today is Romans 16, but I'm not going to read it to you because it's just a list of names. It's a long list. It's an interesting list because there's all different nationalities named there. There are Romans, there are Gentiles, there are Jews, there are Arabs, there are Greeks. There are many people, nearly all the kinds of people that existed in Paul's world during his missionary journeys. And there is a sense of value that comes with this list. These are the people that helped Paul on his missionary journey and in his ministry. These people risked their lives for the gospel. They held church meetings in their homes. They were the first converts to Christianity. Some of them were in prison with him. Some of them gave up their homes that he might have a place to live. Chapter 16 is the last chapter in the book of Romans. And Paul is saying thank you, says a prayer and a benediction, he knows that the end is coming soon, and he wants to say goodbye. <coughs> Memorial Sunday, this day used to be called Decoration Day because people would go to the grave sites and put flowers and flags on the grave sites on this day, decorating them. But in 1971, by act of Congress, the last Monday in May became Memorial Day. And tomorrow at 3 o'clock p.m., there is to be a moment of silence across the entire country while we remember those who gave their lives that we might be free. At Arlington, there'll be an honor guard ceremony and small American flags are going to be placed in front of each headstone. And there's 300,000 of them. There was another list of names that was not included in the video you saw, and I'm not sure why because it's called Arlington of the Pacific. 
There's a place called Punchbowl Crater, which is an extinct volcano on the island of Oahu in Honolulu. I used to visit it periodically when I was in college there. It's a beautiful place. It was started in 1964 for World War II veterans and Korean War veterans. In 1980, it was extended to Vietnam veterans. <clears throat> there are 20 marble pillars that lead up to an altar and, and a statue. <clears throat> On those pillars are the names of the people missing in action who were lost at sea or buried at sea, and there are 28,788 of them. It's called the Courts of the Missing. And there's an inscription that says, in these gardens are recorded the names of Americans who gave their lives in service to their country and whose earthly resting place is known only to God. At the top, just above those pillars, there is a court, court of honor. And there's a statue of a lady who looks somewhat Polynesian, but she's there to represent all the grieving mothers of the soldiers who have died. She's sometimes called Lady Columbia or Lady Liberty, sometimes called Justice. And beneath her statue is inscribed a line from a letter written by Abraham Lincoln to Mrs. Bigsby during the Civil War. <clears throat> it says, the solemn pride that must be yours to have laid so costly a sacrifice upon the altar of freedom. Beyond, beside there, there's a chapel, and there are murals of many of the battles in the Pacific of World War II. It's a list of names. Last time I was there, I was there with my father-in-law, it was a World War II veteran. It was Rocky Rockfield, my wife's father, and he wanted to see it. <clears throat> I was living in Gainesville, Florida when I was 17. I turned 17 in September. In October, it was made public that Nikita Khrushchev and Fidel Castro had made a deal to put nuclear weapons 90 miles off the border of the United States with the power to strike every major city on the North American continent. And there was panic, and there was fear, and there was trauma. And the military car caravans started coming through Gainesville. And they came and they came and they came, thousands of soldiers. And trucks of materials carrying tanks and rockets. They were all headed for southern Florida. The press was calling it the Cuban Missile Crisis. And we were sure that the United States was about to invade Cuba from southern Florida, and it would be the beginning of World War III. So I went down to the US Army Recruiting Center to sign up. The recruiter told me three things. First, we're going to train you to do something you're good at. We'll tell you what it is later. But you can choose where you go. Well, I said, I, I want to go to Europe, because that's where I thought the fight was going to be. Then he told me, you really ought to graduate from high school first. That was going to be some months, but I thought he was probably right about that. 
And then he told me that I needed my mother's permission because I was underage. Well, after my training, they sent me to West Germany as a radio operator. I later became a radio teletype team chief. And we were facing the Soviet Union. My boss, 7th Corps Artillery, Brigadier General, and he had command over the nuclear weapons pointed at Russia. Our biggest problem was security. We had top secret information, and the Russians wanted it. And so our job was to keep them from getting it. And it was an effort. They tried hard. Several of us in radio section didn't have much rank, but we were the ranking PFCs. But we were getting pretty displeased with the quality of leadership we were getting in our section, so we took over. We must have been pretty good at it, because eventually they made us all sergeants. I got promoted first, so I was in charge. And we went to work to make the unit something to be proud of. We wanted to make it a crackerjack outfit. And we did well, we did so well, even though by that time all of our men were draftees. We had no more volunteers. Two of our draftees re-enlisted and went to Vietnam. Two of my buddies, Billy R. Ward and James Huey. James was from Selma, Alabama. And at that time, Selma, Alabama was ablaze with the Civil Rights Movement. There were riots and all kinds of trouble going on down there. Billy, and it was Billy, not William, Billy R. Ward was on his Army ID and his birth certificate. Billy was from a place called Bonanza, Kentucky, which wasn't big enough to have a government or a post office. So we were about as different as three people could be, but we were best friends. First, James re-enlisted, then Billy re-enlisted, and everybody expected me to. But that's not the way I learned to serve my country. The way I learned it, when your country needs you, you volunteer. You stand up for the cause. You do your duty. You fulfill your commitment. And when you're done, you go home. That's the way I learned it. And that's what I did. But I knew that all those people that re-enlisted, whether they'd stayed in Germany or gone directly to Vietnam, would eventually be in Vietnam. And for 25 years, I worried about them. And then one day, when I was serving at a church called St. Luke's in Indianapolis, they asked me to preach on this very day. So I want to do something special. So I got out my list of names. James Huey, Billy Ward, Mike King, John Citrino, Fred Frederick, Louis Zimmerman, Michael Shane. And I went to the wall. Talked my wife into going with me. We made the trip from Indianapolis to Washington, D.C., and we visited the wall. I'm sure many of you have been there. Some of you may have people you know, or family, or relatives, or friends with their names inscribed there. The wall is 246 feet long. It's a, a, a wedge that slopes down from the top about 10 feet, goes out to the sides. It's made of black granite. 
got a sidewalk in front of it. It's a paper stone sidewalk. And then there's a space between the sidewalk and the wall. And people put things there. Flowers, letters, teddy bears, all kinds of gifts and things that people put there. And it has the effect of decorating the entire wall. When you're standing in front of it, what you really see is a reflection of yourself. It's almost like a mirror. But your reflection is obscured by the carvings of the names. Well, I had my names, my list of names. And when you go to look for somebody's name there, they're not listed in alphabetical order on the wall. They're in chronological order. So in the middle are the people that first fell, and then time passes as it goes to the last ones fell or on the end. So to find a name, you have to go look it up in the book. And there's a book. On the way to the book, there's some bronze statues of soldiers and Marines, especially. And there's one statue of two field nurses serving a wounded soldier. As you get to the book, it looks like a big phone book. And all the names are listed there. And so I took my list of names. I began to see if any of my friends or my men had died in Vietnam. I couldn't find a single name, not one. None of my buddies, none of my men died in Vietnam. I was relieved. And I realized that for 25 years I had been suffering a kind of survivor guilt that was totally unwarranted. It's not really unusual or remarkable that the short list I had wasn't there. Truth of the matter is, there were less than 60,000 names on the wall. There's actually 58,286. But over 3 million men served in country during that 10-year period of the Vietnam War. Less than 2% died there. And if you include people like me who served during the period, the casualty rate drops to less than 1%. The truth of the matter is, more Americans were killed by other Americans with handguns during the Vietnam War in the United States than were killed by the enemy in combat. Five times more people in the United States were killed by drunk drivers in that period. You wonder where the war really is. That isn't to say the men that went to Vietnam <clears throat> didn't suffer. Because they did, and some of them are still suffering. I often say I didn't go to the war, but I came home from the war. It was not a pleasant experience. Coming home from the military in those days didn't get you any thank yous or any welcome homes. They were hard on us. I have never forgotten it. Right now, I want to take you on a visit to the wall so all of you can see something of what I'm talking about who haven't been there. You were 
were searching for my name today I saw you standing there Man, you look different With that silver in your hair Me, I haven't aged a bit Still all of 21 That's the thing about us spirits We're forever young at the wall Here at the wall We were proud to serve our country When called by Uncle Sam Then more than a little anxious Then they shipped us off to Nam Remember all the heat and bugs Days marching through the mud Constant gunfire, smell of death Sight of all that blood Some gave all Names carved in this wall But it's a wall of love A wall that heals A wall that touches Helps you feel The faces of more Than 50,000 names Feel the wall Be forever Finally got the orders Saying we could go back home They were looking for my body So you made the trip alone Came back to a country Couldn't comprehend How so many boys that left Returned as messed up men Who served with all The names here on the wall it's a wall of love, a wall that heals, a wall that touches, helps you feel the faces of more than 50,000 names. Feel the wall be forever changed. So as you stand there weeping, with your fingers on my name Share with those cute grandkids The reason for this place To restore some stolen gratitude and dignity This granite wall of honor Holds my memory It's a wall of love A wall that heals A wall that touches helps you feel the faces of more than 50,000 names feel the wall be forever changed feel the wall be forever Veteran <clears throat> by Morrison J.A. Sergeant E5, RE14830412. Some say freedom isn't free, but I say it ought to be 
The greatest truth revealed to me, God created us with liberty. Throughout our valiant history, we volunteered to pay the fee, defending land from sea to sea for rights to live divinely free. I did not fight. I did not kill. I never charged up any hill. But I surrendered youthful thrills to serve with those whose blood was spilled. Sometimes I feel that I was there when musket fire filled the air, cannons crashing everywhere and good men dying in despair. In conflict sense around the earth, I was a soldier from my birth, fighting evil for all I'm worth, saluting with a bagpipe dirge. Each time I hear a battle cry or see reports that missiles fly, with feelings of national pride, I stand prepared to fight and die. 200 years gone faithfully, whenever war came dreadfully, I serve with fervent loyalty to pave the way for victory. In many battles I have fought, charging bravely, returning not, knowing I might be forgot. The price is fair for all it bought. To fields of honor I transcend, along with many fallen friends. I know that liberty depends on the willingness to meet such ends. Marching on, I go undaunted to a fate that's never wanted, that I am one of those counted when names upon walls are mounted. So I have died a million deaths, and still I never stop to rest. I try ever to do my best each time they call me to the test. Soldier, sailor, airman, marine, on all the missions I have seen, I take account of all this been and swear I'd do it all again. Remember me as best you can, and all my comrades to a man, we did our best to understand the price of freedom in our land. Now Memorial Day is here again, while soldiers fight in foreign lands, while families wait along with friends, so world peace will never end. God bless them all, amen. Now, I'm going to do this in reverse chronological order because I'm going to ask some people to stand. I want to stay standing. But I'm going to ask the younger fellows to stand first and the older fellows to stand last. If anybody is here who served the military during Iraq or Afghanistan conflicts, please stand. Anybody, thank you. Anybody who served during Desert Storm, please stand. Anybody who served during Grenada or Nicaragua, please stand. Those who served in Vietnam, please stand. Those who served in Korea, please stand. Those who served in World War II, please stand. All other veterans, regardless of when you served, please stand. Ladies and gentlemen, our heroes. And we thank you for your service, and welcome home. Let's turn now to Holy Communion. And we talk of those who gave their lives 
and died for us. Only one died for us in a way to free us of our sins. On the night that he was betrayed, at the Last Supper, Jesus took the bread. And he broke the bread. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. And after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks and praise, he said to his disciples, take, drink, this is my blood of the new covenant, the everlasting covenant. I want you to do this every time you do it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Lord God, we have these gifts to offer. Fruit of the vine, bread from the fields, they're made with human hands. But we want you to bless them and make of them our spiritual food and drink. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will the communion stewards please take your places? We're serving by intention, I believe, today. Uh, you'll receive the bread and you dip it in the cup. If anybody wants us to bring the, the elements to you, we'll be glad to do that. Come now.
Testing.
Your home. 